Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so much science just proves the Bible? Good. How can the how Bible can say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? Hi everyone. On April 20th, 1999, Rachel Scott was, was sitting with a friend on, on the grassy lawn at the entrance to her school in Littleton, Colorado. And she was confronted by, by two classmates, two schoolmates, uh, who were armed to the hilts with, with shotguns and rifles and pistols. And she was asked the question, do you still believe in God? And she said, you know I do. And then four shots later, she was killed along with her, her friend who was, I think, left paralyzed. And at the end of the day, uh, 12 other students or 11 other students and a teacher, and then the two, two boys also killed themselves. It was a tragic day um, in, in the life of America and, and worldwide as, as that shock rang around. And uh, I, I, as, I, as I remember that story, I think, well, how would I have reacted? You know, if somebody confronted me about my faith with, with the consequence of death, how would I respond? And I really don't know. She was 17 years old, and, and what incredible faith to respond in a way like that. Um, our, our narrative today from Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, is a similar story. Um, Daniel has a couple of fantastic narratives that we're very familiar with. Obviously, Daniel in the lion's den, um, but then this narrative in chapter 3 of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, often called Rakshak and Benny, or I think when I was in Sunday school, it was... Uh, Shake the bed, make the bed, and to bed we go. So probably lots of different acronyms for, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if you remember the, the story um, or, or the, the setting for this is that we have Israel in exile in about 600 um, BC. They've been taken captive by, by, the, by the Babylonians, and particularly Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very successful king, had conquered many countries around and had lots of victories, lots of wealth, and so on. And not only had Israel been conquered, but, but the Israelites themselves had been deported from their land to Babylon and, and had um, been kept captive, and they would be captive there for 70 years. And we, we find these four characters who, who are Jewish, possibly Jewish nobility, but they've been selected by the king or by the, by the king's men um, to, to serve the king and advise him and, and various other things. And they're given, they're given Babylonian names, their names are changed. But they find favor, and particularly Daniel, he finds favor with the king, interpreting dreams and so on. Um, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also find favor and are given, given positions within the palace uh, or, or within the, the, uh, the governing people. And, uh, and, it, and Nebuchadnezzar, recognizing his wealth and his prominence and just how well he'd done, decided to build an image of gold. And it, we're told it's 90 feet tall by nine feet wide. And, uh, and, and basically, whenever music was played in the city, everybody was to, to fall to the ground and worship this image, this 90-foot this gold image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. And, and that happened. And, and we don't know about Daniel. We don't know about others. But, but the attention is brought to the king of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who don't bow. They, they won't fall to the ground, and they won't worship the king. And this, this news gets back to the king, and the king's furious. He's, he's annoyed, he's mad. And this is the response that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give. They, they, say, they, they say, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand. O king, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold, you have set up. And this 
infuriates Nebuchadnezzar and he, he lights the, the furnace that they probably used for maybe for um, getting rid of trash or possibly cremation and they heat it seven times. He's so furious they heat it seven times hotter than usual. They throw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in and the guards who actually throw them in die because of the heat that's, that, that comes from the furnace. And if you remember the story, uh, as, as Nebuchadnezzar hears the report, that there's actually four in the furnace. And it's that lovely picture, isn't it, of, of possibly a Christophany, uh, an Old Testament appearance of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just walking around in the furnace. And when they're brought out of the furnace, they, they're, they've been bound. I guess they have to cool the furnace down. They're brought out and uh, there's no smell of smoke. Even their hair, their clothing is not singed and it's miraculous. And, and Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that their God is the, the true God and he, he worships God and promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, w within society there. And, and I kind of think that that's very direct, isn't it? You know, you worship this image that's not real or you go in the fiery furnace. And I wonder what I would choose. You know, what I choose to compromise, what I think, oh, yeah, just a quick bow down and everything's okay, God won't mind. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they served only God and him alone and would not bow down. And it, and it got me thinking, you know, how would I respond? And then what, what do I bow down to? What, what do I bow down and, and worship? And, and it's a sobering list. And I put a few things together of, of the things that perhaps I bow down. I, I, I think of people, you know, I think of stuff. I think of activities, entertainment, work, money, popularity, sports, family, success. There's lots of things that, that I put ahead of the, the Lord Jesus that I, I promote and bow down and worship to. And, and it's very sobering. And, and I, as I think about it, I recognize actually my biggest God, the, the biggest thing I worship is actually myself. And it's not that I think I'm fantastic and all of these things are great in my life, but, but those are the things that I bow down to and, and give a lot of time and energy and, and interest in, and often more than the Lord Jesus, which, which is shocking and sobering as I think about it. And it's the, the root of it is really myself. And, and I thought of this idea of, of Nebuchadnezzar making this image, and, and an image is not the real thing. An image is an image of something else. And obviously Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's image was, was man-made. And I've been made in God's image. So I'm not God, but, but I choose to worship myself. And, and, and I think about myself, I, probably the, the thing I think about most in a day is myself. And I would, I would imagine that's the same for all of us. Uh, and, and that's very sobering. Um, I, I think this has history as well. You think in, in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell, part of the temptation of Satan was that, that when you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. So it's in our, in our DNA, in our Adamic DNA, that we want to be like God. And actually, it probably goes back further than that. If you read in, in Isaiah 14, 14, we have the kind of the history of, of Satan falling. He was obviously high up in, in the heavenly beings, serving God Almighty um, and, and had access to the throne, etc. But he had this desire to become like God. And that's what it says in, in Isaiah 14, 14, that he, he wanted to be like the Most High. As a result, he fell. So this temptation is, is, is historical, historic back in time before even creation, through creation and, and then now today. So I think it's quite natural that, that, that my, the temptation for us is that we consider ourselves and we want ourselves to elevate ourselves to be in control of our own lives and so on. So it's probably a, a, a natural thing on the wrong side. And, and also Jesus, if you think about the temptation of Jesus, he, he was tempted twice. I don't know if we realize this, but three times at the beginning of his ministry. And it was often, you know, I think the three times Satan said, you know, 
Um, if you really are the son of God, so questioning who he is, you know, then throw yourself off, off this, this, this wall and then your angels will save you. Uh, or he said, um, if you, you know, look at all the kingdoms of the world. If, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you them all. And such false claims, such false uh, offers that Satan gives us, they're not real. He doesn't have that sort of ability or power to, to give those things. And it, and it really boils down to, to Philippians chapter two, where, where we're told that your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And, it, and if you think about that, you know, when, when Jesus became man, yes, still God, but man, he set aside his, his, his godly attributes. Uh, he didn't consider it something to be grasped. He was still God, but he was also man. And, and our attitude should be the same. So, you know, what do I bow down to? What do you bow down to? What do you fall down to? You know, what do we, who do we worship? What do we worship? And how do we move on from here? How do we, how do we move from, from worshiping ourselves to, to worshiping the true God? Um, I think you may remember from maybe one of my other dailies, uh, but, but my wife writes uh, some great prose and poetry and, and, and she has a great way with words. And a few years ago, she, um, she, she wrote something and, and I've asked her to read this maybe as we close, just to maybe put, put reality to, to this concept of, of, of asking the question, who am I actually worshiping? So I hope you enjoy this, but I also hope you're challenged because this has been really challenging for me as I've, I've looked at this and then contemplate, you know, how do I move on from here? How do we address this? Perhaps it's a, perhaps it's a, a lifetime of, of, of learning to, to fall at his feet instead of my own. Thanks a lot. Am I willing to come to you, to set it all aside, to lay before you all I am, desiring change inside? Am I willing to come to you to serve you with my all, to set aside my heart's desires and go and follow your call? Am I willing to come to you to give up everything, reputation, health, fulfillment, dreams, to sit at the feet of my king? Am I willing to come to you till there's nothing left of me, so all I meet will whisper your name and wonder why I am free? Am I willing to come to you, your name to glorify, deny myself and carry my cross, worshiping you on high? Am I willing to come to you, my Savior, my Lord, my King, setting aside all that the world holds dear for a death that has no sting? Am I willing to come to you with my hurts, my pain, my strife, knowing that as I do, I will be giving my very life? Am I willing to come to you to walk the narrow way, not just when it pleases me, but each and every day? Am I willing to come, no matter what it means? Am I willing to come, no matter what I dream? Am I willing to come, no matter what people say? Am I willing to come no matter what gives way? Because you love me. Because with you there is hope. Because you are faithful. No matter what, Lord. For you, Lord. For you.